0: On February 17th, a motion was passed to propose the implementation of a new rule for certain types of businesses to present an accurate report of earnings potential for people who are in need of a stream of income. Too many times have certain business models taken advantage of people who are desperate. In this climate where the world has been shaken, job scarcity and fear have more people than ever searching for a new way to put food on the table. Too many times have people been misled by false or deceptive earnings claims. The business models in question include delivery services, online business coaches, and most importantly, multi-level marketing. The purpose of the FTC's proposed rulemaking is to prevent more people from being scammed into funneling their money into a business opportunity without all of the facts beforehand. If this rule is implemented, it could help hundreds of thousands of people, keeping many from going into debt or getting involved in situations they cannot financially maintain. In the world of anti-MLM, Our biggest goal is to educate and inform. This rulemaking could change the game for potential victims of multi-level marketing schemes. The FTC has given the public 60 days to submit comments on this proposal before making a final decision. If you or a loved one has been personally affected by false money-making claims, tricked into a business opportunity that didn't make the earnings potential clear up front, now is the time to use your voice and tell your story. We need your help to sway the FTC's decision on this proposed rule and help craft the new regulations that multi-level marketing companies will have to abide by in order to avoid future civil suits. For more information on how to submit your public comment, please visit www.mlmchange.org. I am so excited to announce my acceptance of the nomination for Woman of the Year for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society for 2022. Man and Woman of the Year is a philanthropic competition to support blood cancer research among a group of motivated and dedicated individuals in communities across the United States. Candidates like me form powerful fundraising teams and compete in honor of two local children here in San Diego who are blood cancer survivors. Leukemia is the number one childhood cancer, and this year we're fighting for Avila and Marco. Did you know that currently there are only four types of cancer treatments for children? and they aren't even children's doses. They're basically just watered-down adult doses. Because of these and other factors, 80% of childhood cancer survivors will develop lifelong chronic health problems. At the risk of sounding like a hun, I would love to ask you to join our team as we raise money to help fund the research for blood cancer, develop treatments for all, and find a cure. Visit robertablevins.com and click the LLS tab for more information on how to donate, sponsor, and be a part of our team. Hey HunBots and HunBros, super quick housekeeping. First, I wanna say happy Mother's Day to all the amazing moms out there. You are seen and we love you. Secondly, it is the last push for the FTC commenting. It closes in just a couple days on the 10th. So please, if you haven't submitted your comment, do so. Please, please, please. Thank you so much to everybody who has commented and has helped us push this through and educated in the last two months. We see you and you are absolutely appreciated as well. I also want to remind you to make sure that you are following over on YouTube. We have new episodes of Humberta coming out and we also have our live shows. And this past weekend for the FTC commenting, we did a educational uh, dive, little mini dive into the Amway case with Dave Vaughn so that was super fun definitely if that piqued your interest check it out give us a like and subscribe over there thank you so much to all of the support all of the tacos the super chats the super stickers and all of those things that you guys leave you are amazing and I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who has donated uh, to the podcast it definitely helps have a wonderful rest of your mother's day and enjoy this episode Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM. Today, we have a special treat. It's a little different. We're going to give some advice. We're going to talk about a company that we're not going to mention the name of, but if you guys have Google, you can probably figure it out. And I would like to welcome to the show, my friend, Emily Lynn Paulson. Hi, how are you? I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to talk to you. You have no idea. So first, your Instagram, Highlight Real Recovery which we will share in the show notes. We're going to talk about that. I have talked to Megan Williams about recovery, being recruited in recovery. We've had all kinds of different people on the show. It's so interesting how it's woven into MLM. So again, another great way to share your story and to share all of those facets as well. And- You're also in the process of like writing a book, which is so exciting. And so we're going to talk about that too. And anybody listening that's like, wait a second, I think I want to write a book. We're going to have a little Q&A at the end where you guys can, you know, get some information if that's something that you want to do. Lots of type A personalities want to speak out in the anti-MLM community and putting their face out there isn't always the right way to do it for them. And so I'm so excited to talk to you today, Emily, about all of these things. So welcome to the show and let's get into it. All right. (laughs) So this skincare MLM that must not be named, we'll just call it that. We can just call it Voldemort if you want. Sure. So while you, how did you even, how were you even introduced to Voldemort and how did you uh... How, let's talk about that, <laughs> yeah,
1: so I think the important part of saying that I am in recovery is that I was in a very rough spot when this was i guess offered to me um and again, it was something I'd seen on social media. It was someone I knew, um a friend from high school, you know this the typical story you know i I was just really looking for like an escape, and at that time i you know I was. Drinking a lot. I, it was like another kind of excuse for me to escape the shitstorm of my life at the time. Um, and I thought like, hey, this person does it. I trust this person. it could be cool. I could get some good stuff and maybe make a little bit on the side. I didn't take it too seriously at first. so that was in early 2014.
0: And here's the thing, right? Like I think most people feel that way about MLM when it's presented. It's very innocuous. It's like, hey. You've got skin. <laughs> Why don't you use this and sell it? It's so easy. You can just fit it into the little spaces of your life. It's super, super easy. The nooks and crannies.
1: It fits in the nooks and crannies. How totally. many times do I hear that? Well, and I think any insecurity that you have, you know, I had a, a two year old. I mean, I have, I have five kids. So my youngest was two. And so I was just immersed in kids and, and, and like, I'd been out of the workforce for so long. And so you kind of get this little sense of hope, like, oh, this is something I could do for myself. Um, and also now I have all these insecurities as a mom, like the way I look, my skin, my body, my, and it just placed all of those needs, you know, and then also just a a sense of community. Like when I first met with, uh, my upline, Who I joined, you know, there was a whole bunch of people there. And I was kind of like, gosh, they were all so nice and they were so friendly and they all do these this thing and they're all great. And and I think the the ultimate, you know, my ultimate goal here is like, I am not anti-people in MLM at all. Right. And I know you feel this way. Like, I love people, most people in MLM, like they're great. They're everyone I think joins for a good reason, in that this isn't like a personal attack on, on anyone in any way. It's just, that's really where I was at the time is I needed
0: that community
1: outside of my current life,
0: you know? Absolutely. That is exactly what I felt too. And it is such a universal feeling for anybody that feels lost to find a group of people that get it. So you don't feel alone. It's, it's universal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I really went into it very, very ignorant, like in a good way, (laughs) you know, like I didn't, I didn't know enough about it. And there were all these like bonuses when I started and I didn't understand what all the acronyms meant or the things I had to fulfill and not fulfill. I really just trusted the person that I joined. She's like, share this, share this. Like, sure. No problem. You know, I had some people over, I put the products out. Like I, I didn't take it too super seriously, but then I had a really fast start. I was really one of the only people in my area who, who had joined this company. And so it was new to people and there were so many people willing to try. And I also think, you know, 2014, it was really this, when Facebook was, was not real salesy, there weren't a lot of ads and, and it wasn't super inundated with MLMs. So it was easy. Like I could post something and say, Hey, who wants to try this product? And there'd be a million people raising their hand. It was, it was super easy at that point. Facebook hadn't caught on to shut that
0: shit down. Yeah. Right. I remember being targeted for this exact MLM and, and the, the woman came to me and was like, Hey, whatever, like try these things take this quiz and I was like oh thank you so much like I I'm getting older I what I was using before doesn't really work for my older skin and she was like oh let me get you on the right you know thing and I was like okay and then she gave me the price and I was like for skincare (laughs) like it was so much was so much more than I had been paying for like legitimate good skincare that I was just like you know what I'm uh, going to pass on this and I never yeah. bought it. Thank God. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So again, you know, it's that it was ignorance was bliss, I guess, at that point, I didn't know a lot about MLMs. Um, and I just kind of just trusted that, Hey, if this doesn't work out, no big deal. If it does cool. And it did. And I started, I, you know, they had some bonus program at the time. And so my first paycheck was way more than I thought it would be. Um, And a lot of people joined me really quickly. And so I, all of a sudden was kind of getting accolades like, Hey um, you know, uh, from, from corporate and uh, I was getting shouted out in things. And I was getting all these little dopamine hits of, I'm finally getting some recognition for something other than uh, being a mom or other than, you know, Doing stupid shit when I was drunk, like because this was the other area of my life, right? I think being in a in a space where I was really looking for that validation, I was looking for friendship, I was looking for, I guess, a second option, you know? Because what what family doesn't need extra money? Like even if you're doing fine, who does? Who says no to that? And so it all of a sudden became a thing where, wow, I could really do this,
0: Um, and then I kind of started to go all in on it. Wow. Yeah. So you're going all in, you're seeing the results. How high did you hit? Like how, what would the percentage you were in the company? I got, you know, after
1: I know you always hear that I'm in the top 2% or whatever, after a year I was in the top 2% rank. And so I was fully in at that point. I, I was a believer. Uh, I totally believed in the products. I totally believed in the system. I totally believed in the company, all of that stuff. Um, and, you know, a couple years later when I got sober, um, that's when I started like unpeeling the layers a little bit. Uh, when the first thing I realized was it, there was this huge cognitive dissonance because I realized, oh gosh, I don't feel comfortable cold messaging anymore. I don't feel comfortable meeting people for drinks anymore and, and spouting off about the business. I don't feel people feel comfortable just randomly talking to strangers about it. Like when I'm drinking. So once I stopped drinking, all of a sudden I was like, Ooh, like, I, I don't feel comfortable doing this stuff anymore.
0: Do you think that was because like your inhibitions were returning and you're like, maybe we don't
1: oh, talk a about this a thousand percent. I, I would say that you're told from the beginning to ignore your real intuition. Right. Yeah, and I that was feeling, yeah. I mean, I was totally ignorant to what, to what the MLM, like I said, in the beginning, I was just like, this is cool. I'll try it. It doesn't work out. No big deal. But those questions that everyone has, those objections, you're, you're taught to, squash, right? Like, Oh, is this, this feels weird. I don't want to reach out to my friends. I don't want to do this. Like I already had that liquid courage and I didn't care about it. Like I would, I would happily go message people. I'd happily talk to whoever, um, because again, my, my natural inclination my natural intuition was already squashed. So when that came back, when I didn't have that anymore, um, I was like, I, I just don't, Feel good about this anymore. Like I have personal boundaries, right? It suddenly felt really ew. But at the same time, th- this was like this huge wave of my business was still my business. Um, you know, I'm using air quotes now because I know how cringy that is now, but it was growing because I had brought on so many people. And that's how it goes when you bring on a lot of people who then, a lot of people who do a little bit, all of a sudden, then I hit the top, top rank of the company, you know, the top like 0.05% or whatever. So here I was thinking like, ugh, this doesn't feel good, but also now I'm sober. Now, now it's like I've unlocked this next level, right? Like I, I kind of, it it sort of solidified my belief for a while, if that makes sense. Like I've unlocked this new level of of Jumanji in this, (laughs) this company and my personal life was doing a lot better once I got sober, which, you know, I wasn't like poisoning myself and doing embarrassing and shameful things. And you know, it was 2017. The company was growing, revenue was increasing and totally following that cycle and just me getting in at the right time. And so I really felt like, oh, this, this really is a, this is still a good thing. Even if I feel icky about a couple of these things, like I I was still a
0: believer, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, we go all in, we become believers. Every faction of our life is now centered on the company Mm -hmm. the message, the cult, every, like everything, everything is predicated on that. This is the truth. You're going to lose friendships over it. You're going to alienate people. You're going to say really horrible things to people who are concerned for you. You're going to call them haters, whatever it is. Then you come out of the Kool-Aid fog and you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. Now I've got to do all this cleanup. And I think that's probably one of the hardest steps for people that are in the top two or really deep and all in is now that you've woven this lie and you've shunned all negativity to just have this big beautiful positive ball of yay and then you realize oh oh it's been a lie the whole time now what now i have to admit that and that is so hard i was wrong
1: what no it wasn't no no well, and imagine, you know, here I am in recovery in a 12-step program where I'm working the steps and you go through um, amends, right? That's part of it. You go through, you come up with, you know, people who you maybe have a grievance with, you figure out what your part in it is, and you apologize if you're able to, right? That's like it's the whole thing. So I had this growing list of amends that I noticed this theme of being because of the MLM. Right. Like, you know, like maybe putting an order through on someone's account when I shouldn't have or, um, you know, just telling people, selling people a dream when I that didn't exist or maybe pressuring them to join the business when I maybe knew it wasn't right for them. You know, looking back. Right. Um, So. Again, I had all these glaring, like, oh, this isn't good. This isn't good. And yet it was going really well. Again, air quotes. I wish like, you can't see the air quotes in a podcast, but I'm doing lots of them. Um, so I had this just like, oh, this really extreme cognitive dissonance. Because again, I had this whole community of, of women who, who really were rallying around me and like, good for you for getting sober. And so I felt so much love, even though I just felt, mm, I felt weird about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was probably four or five months sober, I was asked by an upline, you know, you have lots of uplines, right. Who I really respected still do again, still just totally respect and love so many of these people. If I would be comfortable sharing my story during her presentation at convention. Um, And a good friend of mine was also asked to speak. And it, it wasn't like a, um, here, talk about what the company has done for you. It was more like, hey, talk about um, some, something you said no to that helped you say yes to other things, like something that established your priorities. And I and I felt really comfortable with that because I'm like, hey, I got sober. My life is way better. I would love to talk about that. And then my friend had a health issue that she tackled. And you know, it's like, cool, we can do this thing together. Just like talk for five or 10 minutes. And I felt, re- I was like, feeling more comfortable sharing my story. Right. And when I mentioned this to my sponsor, my AA sponsor, um, I know I have to be careful with like MLM sponsor, AA sponsor. This is my recovery sponsor. Um, and I kind of thought she'd be like, wow, good for you. And instead, she was like, be careful.
0: Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete.me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete.me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. They send you regular personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. DeleteMe then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet. And they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to me.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeletemecom slash MLM, code MLM.
1: Be careful. You're oh. telling a story that the story you want and it's for – you know, your benefit and the true benefit of others and not like to increase someone else's bottom line.
0: Wow! And like,
1: I knew what she meant, but now in retrospect, I really know what she meant. Um, But at the time I was like, Oh no, this is for people who are already in the company. It was like for people there who are already enrolled. Um, And I really want to share this. I want to share this story to have it out there. I've had so much shame, so many secrets. I feel like it's really important. And she was like, Awesome, just just be careful. And it wasn't again like till like a year or so later that I really understood
0: that part of it. Um that's a really interesting thing. It's it's yeah. very interesting that your recovery sponsor said, be careful with how you're wording your words to influence others with your pain. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, 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 all these people are already in, it's not a big deal. But here's the thing: the people you were talking to were those that were on the fence were those that were already thinking about leaving and your story maybe unfortunately made them stay longer Mm -hmm. and so we think a lot of times like oh mlm wants me to tell my story big huge dopamine hit there you being on stage at convention oh my god i could just imagine how much dopamine that was but it's it's to manipulate the people that are on the fence it's it's so sad and it's it's Wonderful that you're sharing that with us. And it's wonderful that you understand that now, because I think there's probably people listening right now that are in MLMs that may be having these conversations just in their team pages on a Facebook live going, I'm going to tell you this time where I said no, and it actually was a really great or whatever. And again, we don't want to manipulate the ones that are thinking about leaving we have to be very careful with our loaded language when we're talking to people about our experiences and things like that, because it can, it can be damaging in, in just like in this instance here.
1: Yeah. And, and I loved the, one thing I loved in which I, I always assumed that this was when you had different consultants getting up, talking about their story, it's like, look at the w- wide range of backgrounds of people and how there's so many. De- and I loved that. I, I, I loved how again, air quotes, diverse it was, which is not at all. Um, but I, I always thought like, gosh, it's really cool that they want to hear from people. So, you know, this convention comes in and goes and I do this talk and it was, it was awesome. It was so cathartic. I got great feedback and I I really still consider that to be one of the best things I, I did. I, I like, I appreciate being able to do that so much because And again, it's another example of how not everything is bad that happens in an MLM or comes out of it. Amazing. Great things came out of it. Absolutely. And that moment really helped me realize, wow, this is where I want my focus to go from now on. I want to go, I want to start sharing more of my story, you know, stories, maybe people need to hear. It really helped lead me into, you know, recovery coaching, coaching, learning more about addiction, and I was only like nine months sober at the time of this talk. So it was still very new, but I, it got me thinking like next steps. And yet I still very much believe in the MLM and believed I would, I would never leave. So right. It's like, yeah, it was like, it was positive and led to that next thing. But I also was still very much in.
0: Yeah. It's, it's wild. Like yeah. what, what we convince ourselves of and, and the excuses we make for things to stay in longer. I stayed in in LuLaRoe so much longer than I really ever actually wanted to, because I just was like, oh, I guess I'll just stay for one more month. I guess I'll stay for convention. I guess I'll stay for, you know? Yeah.
1: Um, And when you're taught like that, it's working as long as you're getting a paycheck, it's working right. Then you, you you still, that's really hard to like, I'm still succeeding. If I'm making money that it's really hard to get away from that. So, so after this experience, very shortly after I was diagnosed with cervical cancer. So it put like, it really put the MLM on hold. It put thoughts of next steps on hold. And, you know, fast forward, everything was fine. I had surgery, everything was removed. Good. Awesome. And I was at this place in the MLM where I had a big enough team that I could take time off and I would still be making money because there were enough people joining. Um, and enough people buying their own product that I was I maintained right yeah that
0: residual income kept that kept residual coming. income
1: yep, and of course I remember posting about it like oh I'm so glad I had this option when I'm in the hospital I was like oh God like I those those cringy things that pop up right but again my whole team stepped in people in the company I got gift cards I got a meal train like again these wonderful loving people no question that kept that but that kept me in like, this is my place. These are my people who love me and take care of me. Right.
0: Yes. Um,
1: and it's very shortly after that, then I was asked based on the, the talk that I had given at convention to speak at the next convention. Now it, it is months and months and months and months of planning that, that this happens. And I think I know I'm not an event planner, I know that conventions and things like that must take a really long time to plan. I know they're planned in advance, but the fact that they keep you focused on something so far in the future all the time, I mean, I had to start like practicing it really like early. Right. Um, so like nothing would derail me in the meantime. So this, even though I was still focused on like, eventually I want to do this recovery coaching. I did start taking classes and courses and all this stuff. I also was still very immersed. And so there they wanted me to talk about like staying motivated when things derail you and i wanted to talk about the highlight reel which like hello that's my, that's where my screen name came from that's the name of my book like that's my business name highlight reel you know r e a l right that what you see is not always what's what's out there and then over the course of me rehearsing it drafting the talk i was really only allowed to say a very watered down version like a very whitewashed version of things and while it was all true, it wasn't the whole story. Like it was the pretty, it was the pretty recovery story, right? Yeah. Very
0: and produced and curated.
1: Very curated, very curated. And, and I know that there's, there's a time and a place for everything. And, and so I kind of took that as a, okay, fine in this context, but I took it as a sign to say, like, if it's not appropriate here, I still want to share my story. And, and that, that really, again, it's like these next steps. I was like, I want to write a book. I want to write the real story out there, okay? You know, it's just like the the facade just kept getting cracked. It's like I wasn't allowed to be totally honest, like just as honest as they would let me. Um but then also I was starting to I was like at the height, right? I was going on these international trips and it, you know, it was amazing. It was so fun, but there were things that were starting to not resonate with me. Like they they the company would like change the structure a little bit and one of the first things that really started to make me wonder, you know, like, why are they doing this is, you know, we were on this international trip and they were like, okay, well now we're going to make it harder for you to earn this trip. And, and I was like, okay, if the company is doing so well and we're doing so well, and there are more people earning it, wouldn't the company have more money to bring more people on the trip? Like it, it wasn't jiving with me. Um, and thank God my husband is so like level-headed and balanced and financially like smart because he was always like, you do you. I'm so, It's so cool that you're doing this, but also I am never fucking quitting my job. <laughs> like I'm never doing that. Um, so thankfully he always kept me down to earth. And when this stuff came up, he's always like, "Huh, like that, that doesn't add up. And it just kind of kept adding cracks in my belief. Yet at the same time, I'm immersed in this, this awesome trip. And we're doing these amazing things that I would never get to do if it wasn't for this business. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the constant cognitive dissonance constant.
0: Right. You're like, all of this is bad. And they're like, but what about this really, really awesome one thing? And you're like, Oh, okay.
1: Yes. Like just, it just keeps you, it keeps you getting sucked in. And this was really the time, like I was earning more at that point than, than ever. It was like the height of, of, everything. And then my convention talk came and went, the feedback was great. And yeah, it was watered down, but it felt really good being up there, sharing my story and blah, blah, blah. What was funny though. And I actually, until I was going to come on and talk to you, this kind of came up and, and reminded me, my talk was after lunch. It was after this like leadership thing. And they passed out champagne because of course nothing fuels MLM stuff like you know, like alcohol. Like there's always alcohol, right? So I'm like, huh. So people are just drinking, 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 and then going to a convention session. <laughs> so there were people like nodding off in the seats. I'm like, this
0: is just so ironic, right? I it just it just reminded me of that. that- I mean, you're literally <laughs> talking about your own recovery from this, and they're encouraging getting drunk before listening to you. Oh I'm yeah, not, it's like one. Maybe I was thinking before you said people were passing out. That, oh, alcohol is going to limit their inhibitions. They're going to be more susceptible to the message because we're going to make it fun with champs.
1: I'm sure. right?
0: I'm sure that's part of it. They're like, let's talk. Yeah. And you're looking out on this audience where you're literally talking about your own recovery. Yeah. And there's people that are drunk and passing out. (laughs) What not everyone is happening, but there were definitely right. people. And there
1: were people who actually said that after the fact, they're like, oh my God, your talk was so great. I felt so weird sitting there tipsy. <laughs> I was like, it's okay. It's, <laughs> yeah. like, it's not you. Like that's what do they, what do they expect? Passing out champagne on an empty stomach. Of course, you know, you're, you're running ragged at these things. You're up early. You're not sleeping. You're going out late at night. And then you're day drinking and you have to go sit in a convention hall. Like, of course, it's just a recipe for disaster. So did they have
0: like a catered lunch? Cause they would have catered lunches at the LuLaRoe. And it was always like, not a ton of food. It was like enough to like kill the hunger pain, but not enough to like satiate me where I could like fully pay attention and in the right mindset. Which again, now looking back on that seems very intentional. Like we're going to keep them hungry. We're going to keep them tired. We're going to keep them tipsy. I mean, not a Lularo that didn't allow that stuff, but you know what I mean? Like these are like, it's, it's part of it. (laughs) It just seems so intentionally part of it. It seems,
1: yes, it it definitely is. And I think that lowering the inhibition and, and all of that, there were times when, of course, I didn't notice this until I got sober, but you know, this is a couple of years in. It's like, can I get a fucking glass of water? Like, why is it just champagne everywhere? Like, it was so hard to find something that wasn't alcohol. So, anyway, so this, you know, it came. This this talk again. It was great. It wasn't exactly what I wanted to share, but I got great accolades and all this stuff. But then this convention in particular, again, this was the height, and this was like it was like star power, right? I couldn't walk down the hall without getting stopped to have like a picture taken. And my friends, you know, of course, my friends who joined me were still my friends. Like, I'm just regular Emily. Like, I still am, always was. And they're like, oh my God, they, they, you want a picture with her? Like, they just were, they never understood. They're like, this is so weird. It never, ever felt comfortable. This, like, this, the celebrity status of it. Absolutely. It it felt weird. And especially now looking back, it it feels feels really weird. So that was, again, more cracks, more cracks in the facade of, like, now, okay, I'm I'm getting all these accolades. I'm getting asked to speak. I'm going on stage and doing all this shit. And my team, meanwhile, who's been with me all this time, they still aren't achieving. And they're working, and I know they're working. It isn't that they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And now they're making it harder to achieve things. Um, why isn't it happening for them? Like, well, obviously, I've already recruited everybody they know. Like, I just I started to step back a bit, and I'm, again, more of my intuition was coming back. And I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling good about it. And so at that point, I really, I really stepped back. I started doing more writing. I started taking classes on addiction awareness and decided to, you know, I, I that's really where I wanted to focus. And so I did tell, you know, my team like, Hey, I'm, I'm still in again. Like I'm not, I'm never going anywhere, never quitting, but I just really want to focus on this other, other thing. Right. Yeah. Something that's bringing
0: you more joy than something the Something that's thing. bringing you
1: more joy. But, but then in the meantime, of course, because they, they plan stuff again, so far in advance, I had been asked to speak at, still speak at events, speak at rewards trips. So I, like, I still had all of this stuff to like fulfill, you know, I, I just, I, I couldn't figure out, like, I couldn't get away from it. And every time I would get sucked in and it's like, oh, this is so fun. And my friend, I'm here with my friends and blah, blah, blah. I, I finally, I met with a publisher, you know, I was going to write a book and, and I started a new Instagram account. So I was previously it. so the one I have now was the one I started like in early 2019. I was like, I'm going to start untethering myself because what I noticed on my Instagram account was that first I I started feeling less comfortable, like sharing my family and every move I made. Um, My kids were getting older and they're like, stop posting pictures of me, you know? So I'm like, okay, sorry, but you know, you're, you're taught got to share every area of, your, area of your life, you know, take a story everywhere you go. It's like, you have to be this reality TV show. And I'm like, I don't feel comfortable doing that anymore. I don't, I don't like it. You know, I made my account private. I, I just realized I was in this like echo chamber. Everyone who was following me was in the MLM. They loved me because I was in the MLM. And as long as I was saying what they wanted me to say, like, I, I just couldn't do it. So I started this other Instagram account, very recovery based, Um, my story and, you know, just to kind of, again, get away from that. But yet I was like, I'm still keeping this world. I just, I just don't want like to be in it all the time. Right. Yes. It was too much. As I started speaking it more, I was a keynote on, you know, these different things, these different like opportunity, business opportunity things and uh, reward trips. I, I started to feel exploited. Right. Like, it's constantly like, hey, come up here, tell your sad sob story, and also then throw in how people shouldn't, uh, you know, uh, break up orders into smaller lots, or come up here and um, talk about that, like, to add in their be the corporate mouthpiece around my story. Like, it just felt, it just felt gross. It was like, I, I felt like, done, done. You know, it was kind of like the last straw for me, and I, I, I just... Said, you know, that year was really it. I, I just told my team, like, I'm stepping away. Um, and, you know, if you guys need anything, cool. But, you know, I, I turned off my team page, all of that. Um, and then I started focusing on my book and I really went in all in and writing and recovery coaching. Um, yeah. And I, but yet, but yet I was still in, right? Yet I was still like, I couldn't. Quit for a while.
0: It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. People get stuck. It's hard to leave these groups. Yeah. Even if you're only 1% anti MLM and you're working your way out because you're still stuck. That's progress. If yeah. you're noticing these patterns and going, "Wait a second, that's a red flag." Even if you're in MLM, even if you're selling it currently, even if you're like having a party later tonight. Yeah. But you're here. And you're listening to this, you are on the right track.
1: Yeah. And even and if even you if just, you're deep in. Yeah. And even if you just change your change your messaging a little bit, right? Like the things that I said and when I look back and the things that I said up now, I'm like, oh, it, it just the awareness was not there. Like I just didn't know. I guess I didn't know what I didn't know. I was just repeating what I was told to repeat. I was saying what I was told to say. Absolutely. They tell you
0: to emulate the people that you admire above you. Duplicate, be coachable, all that stuff, right?
1: Yes. So I write my book, publish the book, book comes out. And of course, people who are in the MLM, I got such great accolades. People were so supportive Um, because again, it wasn't a, it wasn't a business book or anything. It was like my, it's a memoir. It's my personal story. Right. And I talk about obviously like in recovery, like there's some traumatic shit in the book. Right. Um, and so it's very different than the story I had been sharing in all these talks I'd been giving right in front of all these people. And I was on a podcast, right. Really shortly after the book came out and they were asking me about, you know, this other, this side gig that I do, right. This, like what I was doing before this. And I kind of shared about, yeah, I, um, you know, I'm not really doing much of it anymore, but I still love it. And I remember saying like, I would never quit even if I made no money. Cause, cause I love the people so much. And now looking back on that, I'm like, I, I need to examine that a little bit. Um, but that's not even the point. The point is shortly after that corporate reached out to me to say, you need to remove the name of the company from this podcast because they didn't want to be associated with the really like it looked bad, apparently, like the things that I was talking about, like, yeah, not just like the whitewash story. And I was like, hmm, okay, like, it was like, just to me it was like a big fuck you like you have been using my story to sell the business opportunity and the products now for a couple of years. And now that I have this now now my my like star is shining a little too bright. Is that what's happening?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm like- Because it's not the watered down version that they curated for you. It's your version. And they didn't want you to tell your version. Yes,
1: yes, exactly. So then we all know what happens after 2019. The pandemic comes, right? And I was, I mean, I was out, out at this point. I was not talking to a single customer. I was not like I had everything turned off. I'm like, don't come to me for anything. Go to my upline. And I will say like, My upline was so sweet and gracious and was like, you know, I, I understand, like she totally understood why I felt this way. Right. But yet still very much believes and whatever. It's just, it's just a me thing. Right. So pandemic happens. And then I see just the, the the brainwashing, the, the way that the grossness around, oh, you lost your job. Should've had a side gig. Oh, you know, use your, um, whatever, what was the the rebate, the, you know, your funds from the government, your, you know, re- oh. rescue money to buy a business kit and all this stuff. And of course the FTC was slapping warnings on companies. It, it, to me, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what we're doing. Like this, this is, and I was like, this is really, really gross. So it was that it was the selling of the opportunity using the pandemic to sell the opportunity. That was just next level to me. And then I mean, the a, fact
0: that they're telling people to use their stimulus checks oh, that the yes, government stimulus, gave yes. us to be able to join this company as the answer, it's yes. wild. Like, that money was for bills because people weren't working, yes. not to join cults because it's a good idea. Like, what? Yep. And,
1: and The fact that I, I could then see um, how me again, I was doing nothing, nothing. I was doing zero and I was still getting a paycheck. And now at anyone who's probably listening to this in an MLM right now is like, well, that's what you build. It's residual income. You build it and then you get paid. That's how it works. But, but yet you're also told you work. Like I get paid because I work my ass off and I, and it's this meritocracy of like the harder you work, the more you get paid. It's like, which one is it like, please pick. And the reality is the people at the top make money because so many people at the bottom fail because if someone buys it, all you need to do is have a social security number and a heartbeat. You buy the business kit. It goes up the chain. All these people make money. It doesn't matter if you ever do another thing again. And you have all these people on your team who have to buy the products to stay commissionable, even if they buy the products because they like them. That's not even the point. It's like it like, then I'm like, the shape of a pyramid was just in my face. Like I could not, I could not ignore it. I couldn't ignore it. And the other thing that was just icing on the cake for me was the sharing of misinformation. Of course, this isn't just, you know, just MLM people, right? But when you are already in a structure where you are repeating and believing anything that your leader tells you, I do think you're more susceptible because I saw, and this, again, this isn't about po- politics being Republican, Democrat, being vax. It doesn't matter. It's not about anti-vax or anything. It's about just the sharing of stuff without any vetting, no education. And I saw all these people in the company, like sharing that pandemic video or, oh, and I'm like, really just the, the brainwashing. And when I got to the end of 2020, I still hit the top rank of the company. And I did zero. I did Nothing, and that was it to me. I'm like, I there is no amount of money that is worth being associated with this. Like I am in a pyramid scheme, and I no longer
0: want to be associated. Absolutely right. So now we're seeing that that residual income that everybody's working to get is for the top, Mm -hmm. and that everybody else is in a meritocracy where pull yourself up by your bootstraps, Mm -hmm. work hard, do what they're doing, and it's achievable. But it's not. And all of these people are pulling themselves up by their bootstraps every single day so that someone at the top of the pyramid, who unfortunately in this case is you, sorry, mm-hmm. was able to not work at all and mm-hmm. still get a paycheck off of the backs of everyone else. Yes,
1: exactly. It's And it was like, again, that knowing for so long, like this isn't, there's something here that I couldn't. I just couldn't ignore it anymore. I couldn't pretend anymore. And, and all that to say, I have the privilege of being able to step away. I had the privilege of being able to quit because I have a spouse who was the breadwinner already. I had the privilege of joining because I had a spouse who's the breadwinner. I had the privilege of leaving because I have a spouse who the bread, who's the breadwinner. And there are people who, I can't tell you how many people have reached out to me since I announced my book who have said, I wish I could quit. I am too far in now. People who have retired their husbands who are now completely trapped, people who've quit their jobs to do this full-time who are completely trapped and are just like, they, they can't, they don't have the privilege of leaving. Like I, I don't, uh, you know, so I don't come on and share this, like everyone's in an MLM should quit. Like, I don't think that at all. I don't think that's possible at all. I understand why people join and I understand why people maintain belief for so long. And I also understand why people can't leave because yeah. I stayed in much longer, much, much longer than I felt comfortable with, much longer.
0: Yeah. So if you are literally the person that Emily just described, the best thing for you to do is to just on the back end, if you really do want to leave, Start looking at other options and not other MLMs, but other money-making options. Whether you have a spouse that can go back to work, whether you can pick up some side gig, whatever it is, you know, we talk about multiple streams of income, Uh, do what you can on the back end to prepare yourself so that when you do make that decision and you are able to cut the ties, that you aren't lost and you aren't stuck and you aren't in complete and utter ruin because of it. And it's okay. And that's another thing that we're trying to educate here. It's like, there are people that listen to the show that are in MLMs that are exactly who you just described, Emily, who are Mm -hmm. like, yes, that's me. How do I get out? And unfortunately, the answer is probably just as slowly as you got in. Mm -hmm. Baby steps. Understanding that what you're doing is problematic, making choices, smart financial choices to maybe not buy as much product or not do those things that you need to do and slowly work yourself out of it. And it's going to take time, but we have an entire community here and we are creating, I'm literally creating and curating episodes for those exact issues. How do I work from home? How do I get gig work? How can I make a little extra money here and there? We're working on episodes like that because these are the real issues in life after MLM. We can't just tell everybody to quit because they're bad. And then when they're like, okay, I quit now, what? Be like, I don't know, that's on you. Yeah, sorry. Thanks for quitting. Glad you listened (laughs) to me. I don't know what to do next. I was never in an MLM. I just think they're bad. You know what I mean? Like we have to give people options as well. You can't tell people to leave and then not give them an option to leave. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for saying that and confirming what all of us know is that there are people that don't want to do this, but have to.
1: That are trapped. Yep. And whether it's the, you know, they're the single mom or again, they've, they've retired their husband, which nothing makes me cringe more than that phrase, nothing. Um, Or they're, you know, they're, they have an elderly parent living with them or, you know, it's really scary, especially it's one thing to walk away from like a couple hundred dollars a month when you're making tens of thousands of dollars a month. And you know, it's, it's bad. Like, like how, how do you, and you pay your bills with it? Like, how do you just walk away from that? No, nobody expects anyone to just walk away without, without a plan. And, and I've, I've received that feedback, you know, it's like, Oh, if you hated it for so long, why didn't you quit earlier? It's like, Bitch, seriously, like you're, you're told from the beginning, you're told from the beginning, this is a legacy. Do this however you want, as long as you want, however it fits in your life. But only if we think it's okay. And you're only, if you're talking positively about it and only if you're sharing all the good things and only, 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 only. And it's like, seriously, that that's not, that's not how life is. It is not black and white.
0: It is not black and white. Absolutely not. We love those shades of gray. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. So you are slowly working your way out. You're writing this book. You're doing all these things. What, what was, you know, like the final straw that made you be like, yeah, no, this is done. And I'm completely moving forward and never looking at this again after those residual checks were coming in.
1: Yeah. I mean, I knew from writing my first book that writing like saved me through that process and how, and helped me figure out like how I got there in the beginning. Right. And and I know that me being in the place where I needed that again, like I, I can hundred percent still like treasure my time in the MLM and all that it gave to me and all the wonderful people that I met and also know that it's no longer good for me and no longer serving me. And so I just started writing and I, I started writing down how I felt. I wrote down just like the story of how I got in and, and I started talking to more people and I started talking to a lot of people because, of course, when you step away from something, people inquire. And I talked to a lot of people over the last few years um, through my sobriety, like, you know, why why did you step away, and what happened, and how do you feel about this, and how do you feel about that, and really interviewed a lot of women. Um, and that's one thing that I, I want to share stories that are not my own too. That um, again, my story is not the only one, um, and anyone's you know welcome to write their own book too. But if if I can share my story and also, also show people like, like, it's not your fault a for not making money. It's not your fault for feeling trapped. Um, it, like none of this is your fault, but also what can you do to not like victimize other people and not like perpetuate this feeling for other people going forward. And so I thought like, Especially with 2020 and and how all of that went, and and just seeing this rise of like, um, you know, people selling selling dreams that don't exist, selling cures that don't heal, sell so, and 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 it. I just really wanted to share how MLMs really play into that and how they played in that, to that for me, and how i how I was able to disconnect myself from something that I was. One hundred percent on board with. I mean, if you, gosh, seven years ago, would look at my Facebook post or would have known me then, I mean, it. I was. I drank Kool Aid hard. Like I made it a double. I threw in some vodka. Like I was in. I was married to it. And so I just wanted to share, like, how that happened, and and have really have compassion for people who fall for stuff like that. And that's not even the right word. People who get. I understand why people get trapped in conspiracy theories. I understand why people get stuck in these things that are inherently not good for them through addiction, through this, through like, I understand that deeply. And it all is so interwoven. So, yeah, I just wanted to I wanted to share it. And what's interesting is you know, I wrote the book proposal and there's, there's a lot that goes into writing a book, obviously like, so shopping this around with an agent and stuff. And I had a lot of feedback from publishers that was like, this so needs to be written. This so needs to be out there, but we have too many contracts with people who are in MLMs. (laughs) Like like they have, um, you know, authors who are in MLMs and they, they feel like it's a conflict of interest to put a story like that out there. So for me to I, you know, the publisher I'm with, I just love, and they're all about sharing disruptive stories. And so it was just interesting through that process of like, wow, people are really afraid to talk about this and afraid to share these stories because they're really, there. there's just so much money tied up into it.
0: There, It is. It's so true. It's very interesting that that you got that response from publishers. They were like, oh my God, yes, we totally agree with you. But... Our big money makers are like MLM people and we just can't publish this because we're going to lose those contracts. I I mean, even MLM is controlling private companies in that way Mm -hmm. because there's so much MLM on the back end that like even these companies aren't able to take an anti MLM stance publicly, even though privately they're like, oh, we're totally with you. This is 100% something that's absolutely needed. But yeah, I mean, I didn't know there was so much
1: that I didn't know. Either Until I really started looking, like until I had some critical thinking and actually watched the things I wasn't allowed to watch and was told not to watch and read the articles and um, realized that, wow, there's a lot, there's a lot more to this that I was just blindly agreeing
0: to. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for anybody out there right now, and of course, this is all, every every talk I have inspires me to do even more research into this. So I'm actually going to try to do a show episode about writing a book and getting it published and do all of that. So I'm going to reach out to some author friends and maybe we can yeah. work on that. I would love to have you. But um, for anybody listening right now that is thinking, hey, Maybe writing a book is what I need to do. Like, what are some really easy steps to get started for anybody that's just listening and and, and wondering what are step one, two, and three for even doing this?
1: Start writing like that. I know that sounds like the most simplistic answer, but open a Google doc on your computer, um, talk to voice to text in your phone. Like doesn't matter. Um, I've done so many voice memos to myself that I then, you know, tra- transcribe into my Google Doc. I have a, just a running brain dump of, you know, it's almost like sort of like journaling slash to-do list slash bitch session. Like I, I write down everything and, and then I can search it in my Google doc. Like if I have a keywords, like, Oh, I want to, uh, you know, I, I really want to talk about shame and then I can put that word in there. And then all these things that I've written about will come up and I can, you know, compose an article about it. So like when, you know, I have like when the today show reached out and they're like, will you write something about why it's hard to stay sober around the holidays. I'm like, Hell yeah, I got a ton of content, right? Like no problem, because I've written about this so much and things come up that I remember, like, you know, something that came up yesterday that I remembered. I I can go search and I can throw it in there. So just writing, it doesn't it doesn't have to look pretty. It doesn't have to follow any format. Don't pretend you're writing it, don't pretend you're writing it for anyone. And write the way you speak. And honestly, when I'm typing, when I'm, you know, writing like the book, I'm writing right now and I'm I'm over halfway done with it. But this is the other interesting thing is when you're writing on proposal, when you write on a book proposal, you don't have to have the whole book written yet. And so just announcing that the book is out there, I have gotten such good content from the people coming into my DMS to like, add it's really helpful. Um, wow. but as yeah. Oh yeah. It's like a really total know. living
0: document. Like it as is, you're writing, it is,
1: it absolutely is uh, but on both, on both ends. Like people who are like, wow, Can I tell you this story? Like, I would love for you to share this.
0: I feel like even someone reaching out and being like, oh, I'm so excited you're talking about this. I hope you talk about X, Y, Z. And you're like, oh my God, good. why didn't I think about that? That's a great point. Thank you. So much.
1: Yes, so much has come out of that. But again, just continue writing right the way you talk. And when, as I'm writing, I actually do talk. Um, and my kids are always like, shh, like keep hey, be quiet. Um, cause I'm like, I speak as I'm typing because that, it just helps me like that. Everyone works a different way, but literally if you can set aside 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day, just write, just write, just start writing. And then yeah. depending on what comes from that, what content you have, you can see like, what do I have here? Like, could this be a book? Maybe it could, um, could this be, you know, maybe I publish, maybe I, I do an, an op-ed and I, I try and. I'll contact a newspaper or maybe I'll do an online blog or there's so many different ways to you know, repurpose your writing.
0: And those are all ways that you could also make money. Make money. money. Mm-hmm. Yep. So even if you're in an M- MLM right now and you're listening to this and you're like, I, I'm a type A person. I need to write a book. Open that Google Doc. Journal. Journal about things. Uh, if you're on TikTok and you see a thing and you're like, oh my God, this reminds me of the time. Open up that Google Doc. Mm -hmm. Write it down while it's fresh in your mind. I will tell you, I have compartmentalized so many things that happened to me in MLM that sometimes the only way I even remember it is someone leaves a comment. And I'm like, holy shit, that happened to me too. And I don't remember it. And it's at those moments where I'm like, I should probably write this down to remember it. That's a great way. And then like you're saying right now, it's just a journal right now. It's just an idea right now. It's just maybe a blog. Maybe it's a private blog. Maybe you make it public later. Who knows? Who knows? But you have that document. And so if you decide to write a book and you have a blog, you now have all these chapters that you can now just elaborate on and go deeper, talk to other people, go, oh, this is a really interesting idea. You know what? Recently, I met that girl on Instagram. I think she might have, I'm going to talk to her about this, this chapter that I have an idea and go from there. Again, like it's all a living document. Every single author that I talk to says exactly the same thing. Talk to people ask questions, write things down and go from there. So anybody that is doing that already, how do you even reach out to publishers? How do you even do a proposal? Like what are the steps from that point? Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways. I mean, there's
1: self-publishing, there's hybrid publishing, uh, you know, self-publishing is where you do everything, you pay for everything you put it, and It's actually, you know, pretty, it's not that difficult to self-publish. And I say that like, it is difficult, but like, it's, you you can do it. And I know, um, one of the creators, Megan just wrote a book and yeah, she's self-published, right? Um, yeah. And you can do hybrid publishing where a company pays for some things you pay for some things and, um, and then you can traditionally publish where you find an agent, you know, you query agents, you send in a proposal, and then they try and sell the book for you. There's lots of different ways to go about it. And it really depends how quickly you want the book to come out. You know, How much of a reach do you want? Do you really just want this out there to share your story? That really was my first book was very much, I just want this out here. I don't care how many people buy it. Like This is really for me and for maybe a few people to help who read it. Your mileage may vary if some publishers really want you to have a big platform. And, you know, so there's there's a lot that can go into it. Like there is a lot that goes into it. Um, but for nonfiction writing, all you need is a proposal and an agent and some good ideas. So, you know, and there's coaches who can help you write up a p- proposal. There's, you know, you can find... Again, you can find people, again, who do this on the side. Like, if you're a good writer and you, you know, if you have editing skills, there's always people looking for editors too. So, like, this, again, like, it, this is a lot of this stuff is, is stuff you can do yourself or you can
0: find very low cost. I love it. I love all of that. Thank you so much for your advice. <laughs> um, so, now that you're out and, and you're just, how would you say that your life after MLM is, is now? Oh, God. It, I
1: did not realize how it was like the last thing still hanging on that wasn't aligned for me, if that makes sense. Like here I was like getting rid of all of this baggage from the past, working through all of this stuff, all this trauma, you know, I'm, I'm out there and I still have this thing kind of hanging on that I don't feel good about. And even though I'm not necessarily actively selling or recruiting or getting people involved, like I just the, the mental freedom I have from not being involved anymore is a is really huge, really huge.
0: I think that's so amazing. I love hearing these stories of people thriving, finding themselves, leaving it behind and like find like you found yourself, you found mm-hmm. yourself in like that pit of despair, <laughs> unfortunately to yeah. have to hit that rock bottom, which I think a lot of us have done and are now you're this beautiful Phoenix who's coming out of the ashes. You're like, I'm working on my second book. <laughs> yeah. I
1: mean, I think, and I think too, for me, this is, it's very much more of, like I said, it's part of my amends, right. That I, I did realize how many problematic things I was a part of. And, and I want that to be out there. And you you know, your quote of like, everyone's I'm going to butcher it, but everyone's a victim and a perpetrator right? In MLM that that's very much how I feel. Again, I don't blame anyone who is in an MLM. I don't look down on anyone who's in an MLM. I love, I love people who are in MLMs. Like they're great. They're great. Everyone like goes into it for such a good reason. And I really truly believed I was helping people for a very long time. I really believed that. And so it's not a diss on any person. It's just a, Hey, this is what I, this is where I was. And this is what I learned. And this is where I am now. Maybe you fall somewhere on that spectrum. Maybe you don't, maybe you buy my book and throw it in a fire. I I don't really care. Maybe this isn't for you, but, but it's important. It's important to talk about.
0: I think it's very important to talk about. And I'm so proud of you.
1: Thank you. It's so good to get to talk to you like live. Well, zoom live, you know,
0: Live ish. Yeah. No, I love it. Are you ready to do some rapid fire questions? Oh, yeah. Go to town. Let's do it. All right, Emily. One word that encompasses how you feel about multi level marketing conflicted. Yeah, I know. The more we learn, the more I'm like, oh, man, this is so much bigger than we ever thought. And we have to show more compassion. And I am conflicted too. Thank you for saying that. That's a word no one's ever said. And, um, I, I definitely feel conflicted as well. Sometimes what is one warning or a piece of advice to somebody who is thinking about joining a multi-level marketing company? Don't ignore your intuition. Please don't ignore your intuition. Uh, the worst
1: MLM in your opinion. Is it Voldemort? No, you know what? So, and I have to say this, that I don't, one of the reasons I don't say the name of the company in the book is because I want to be able to be as honest as possible and protect anonymity of people who I love, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. However, I don't think there's any difference. That's the other reason, because I think they are all the same, even though there might be differences in structure in you know, payment plans, whatever. They're all, as long as there's a, there's recruiting required in any way, shape or form, they are all the same. So I would say the worst one just happens to, in my mind is like, depends on the day and what, you know what youtube video i watch or or whatever so i i don't know if i can rank a worst
0: hey that's fair that's absolutely fair <laughs> what is the hardest lesson that you learned while you were in mlm that i'm not always right that
1: uh yeah that i i was acting in a very predatory way without knowing it i guess just the confrontation that all the um facts again air quotes on the podcast um all the facts I was spewing for so long were not accurate. And I, I really, I, I really pride myself now on like trying to be very honest and uh, yeah, that's all. Very about.
0: humbling. It's humbling.
1: It? Yes. Good. That's a way more concise way to say it.
0: Humbling. That's my new answer. <laughs> and then finally, I think you're going to have an amazing answer for this one. Finally, the positive takeaway from your time in multi-level marketing.
1: So much positive takeaway there. I mean, I have treasured friendships that I would not have um, if it wasn't for the MLM. And again, I think it was the launching place for me. First of all, I, th- I do think it, it, it accelerated my rock bottom. Cause I did a lot of drinking. I think it, it made me hit rock bottom faster, but that also helped me be able to heal faster it gave me the clarity to realize I wanted to share more of my story. It gave me a platform to be able to share my story. Um, again, met wonderful people, did some wonderful things, saw some amazing things. And I think it's okay. You know, I always equate like addiction to being like the the bad boyfriend, right? Like we've all had a bad breakup and you had some good times, but it doesn't mean you want them in your life anymore. I want to talk to them anymore, right? So it's... Um, It's so many great things came of it. And yet it's also, it's not either, or it's also, um, an industry I no longer believe in support or agree with beautifully said,
0: as I expected, obviously, (laughs) uh, please let everybody know where they can find you. And, uh, when is this book? When do we think this book is even going to be out?
1: May of 2023. So I know it's over a year away, but that's, you know, um, if you have any great things you think that I need to add to the book, please reach out. Um, highlight real recovery is my Instagram. That's where you can probably most easy uh, way to find me. I'm on Twitter ish, but I don't understand Twitter. Emily Paulson, uh, also not really on Facebook. So don't try and find me on there. Uh, I would just kind of suck at social media in general. Uh, and probably the best way to contact me is just on my website, emilylinpalson.com. And I've got a contact form on there. If you want to reach
0: out, um, I'd love to hear from you. Perfect. I will pop all of those links in the show notes so everybody can find you so much easier. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about this, for giving us advice, for being unbelievably compassionate and warm and understanding you, you have even more compassion than me. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Roberta. It's been great talking to you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to life after MLM. Don't forget to like subscribe and share and follow us on social media at life after MLM podcast and my advocacy at the real Roberta Blevins. You can find all of the links to the social accounts in our show notes. And if you just listened to that incredible story and you thought, oh my God, I have a story just like that, that needs to be told, hit me up, therealrobertablevins at gmail.com. I would love to have you on the show to share your story and start your journey in life after MLM. See you next time, Hans.